specifically talking about women in the construction industry, and really many industries that have been historically male-dominated, can be tricky. However, the co-founders of Moxie are up for the challenge. They launched earlier this year and are celebrating the women that make infrastructure happen. They've launched a digital publication that features stories of women who have dedicated their careers to infrastructure and offers resources to help women chart their course in construction and 16 other infrastructure-related fields. On today's episode, we'll look specifically at some of the challenges women face, what role women can play in projects that roll in from the infrastructure bill, and how Natasha and her co-founder Monica plan to celebrate women at all stages of their career. Good morning, Natasha. We're really excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, You're one of the co-founders for Moxie, and a lot of the work you're doing is helping to shine a light on women in the infrastructure industries. And I'm really curious where this idea came from and a little bit about your background that led you to getting this off the ground. Yeah, Elizabeth, thank you for having me on this morning. I appreciate the chance to talk about the magazine. Um, Moxie is the brainchild of myself and my business partner, Monica Dutcher. Uh, Monica's got a background in journalism and editorial, and she owned a magazine at one point in time. And I've got a background in sales and marketing. We recognized uh, earlier this year, we were, it really started because I had reached out to Monica about doing some writing. Um, we, there's really not anyone that's talking specifically to women. We have a lot of trade publications where women tend to be a bit of token articles. And you know, we talked about writing some content speaking to women. Uh, and Monica came back and said, why don't we start a magazine? And Moxie was born. So I, you know, I, I like to remind her, I just wanted to write a few articles and all of a sudden <laughs> here we are, you know, we own this business. But, um, you know, in, in my experience, um, I had never seen anything like this. And as we, as the idea came to be, I realized it was something that was important to me and something that I would read. And if I found value in it, I think other women would find value in it as well. So the idea behind Moxie is to, we're speaking to women that are in the historically male dominated sectors of infrastructure. And we're really leaning into the Build Back Better initiative that's coming out of Washington right now. Um, We've identified 17 industries that are considered these male dominated sectors. And I have a background, I've been in in infrastructure for about a decade now. So I've got a lot of experience working in in this realm. And Monica has written for trade publications in infrastructure. So our audience is women um, from the C-suite to the field. We wanna talk to women who have been in the business for 35 years and women who are just starting out. We're shining a spotlight on ladies who are at the helm of major infrastructure projects. We're talking to women who own their own businesses women who are moms trying to navigate a career and motherhood. Um, Mental health is a huge topic that we're talking about. So we're really, we're really focusing on the issues that are women, that women are facing every day in a way that hasn't been addressed before. You've got a lot of publications out there that might speak to men and women that are in the C-suite, or you've got something, you know, like a cosmopolitan magazine that might you know, give you tips on how to negotiate your next raise. And then you make the, you you turn the page and there's 18 ways to make chicken and, you know, the hottest (laughs) shades of lipstick for fall. So again, it's very concentrated content that, that we're, um, we've put together for these ladies. Yeah, I love it. I think being able to take that idea of creating a professional magazine and a professional outlet that helps people at various stages of their career, but is is kind of like a one-stop shop resource for, you know, 
stories of women who maybe have gone through a similar kind of track or people who are facing a challenge that you're currently facing in your own experience and, and finding out ways to come through that positively on the other side is really a, a great way to approach it. And I followed you guys on social media. So I've been able to see some of the stories that you've brought to light. And some of these women that you're featuring are quite amazing, quite frankly. Um, as, as you've kind of gone through the process of talking with a bunch of these different women, have you kind of found any stories or, or any themes that have stood out to you um, from shared experiences? As I know it's still early days for you guys. You've got so much more ahead of you, but yeah. are there any kind of themes that you're seeing come to light from the different stories you've been able to tell or one or two stories that really stand out to you? So our first story, our first feature story right out of the gate was a woman named Sharon McPherson. Um, Sharon is a social activist. She's raised over a billion dollars uh, in sub-Saharan Africa um, for investments, and she's been an advisor to the Biden administration for the transportation bill. And so to hear her, to hear a woman talk about her life's work has been to not only uh, empower other women, but to uh, to better systems that are in place. And now she's bringing that over here and um, she's launching the Green Jobs Machine in 2022 and in, in the second quarter of 2022. And it's really all about how do we bring more women into the fold and especially addressing these communities, these underserved communities of, of color and making sure that our dollars are spent in the appropriate places and about sustainability. And um, it, it's this, how it's all weaved together that we can't continue doing things the way that we have been, right? We've okay. got to bring more people to the table. We've got to bring this diverse set of voices to the table and look at our infrastructure in a different way. So it's been, when I met Sharon for the first time, I mean, I, I was just in awe of, of what she's done. She's a extraordinary woman. Um, and we are very fortunate to call her a friend at Moxie and be able to share her story and and uh, and to, to see the things that she's going to be doing with the Green Jobs Machine. And then we featured Desiree Wood. Um, she has uh, an organization called Real Women in Trucking. And Desiree was interviewed uh, back in 2010, she actually had a blog post that was the uh, impetus for Dan Rather to do a four-part investigative series on the trucking industry. And, oh, wow. you know, we, we've been hearing for months and months and months now about the shortage of truck drivers and, you know, supply chain issues and whatnot. Um, but a decade ago, Desiree was shining a light on the challenges when we talk about why aren't there truck drivers and why aren't there more truck drivers, Desiree brought to light some of the things that were, you know, she pulled the curtain back on, on the trucking industry. And it's a massive industry. And uh, she's, uh, she's really telling the story that needs to be told. And we thought it was important. Um, if we're going to talk about truck drivers, if we're going to talk about this industry that seems to be lacking so much, we have to also talk about why things are the way they are right now. And so, you know, for us to be able to give a platform to women like this, to share their story and to get their message out is been one of the greatest joys of putting this magazine together. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. It's the, it's the passion of bringing those stories to the forefront, for sure. Um, that actually brings up a great point. You know, one of the things we're doing on this season of the show is talking about the common challenges that people are facing in the industry today and obviously some ways to overcome those challenges as well. 
What do you think the biggest challenge right now facing women in infrastructure or more specifically in the construction portion of infrastructure? Um, what do you think that biggest challenge is that they're facing right now? We have to recognize that it's still it's still a male dominated industry. All of these businesses, virtually all of them are, are owned by men. They're run by men. It's been great in my decade that I've been in here to see more women taking leadership roles. But the culture is still one of a very male dominated. Um, um, it's a it's a very male dominated culture, and that's okay. Um, I do believe that there's room for women in there, but it's going to take time. Um, you can't you can't change the culture of of a business or an industry overnight. And what we're seeing right now is there's the 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 old guard is is starting to retire and resign. And the new guys that are coming in, because it's still, you know, very much um, a lot of men that are running these companies, the guys that are coming in to run these companies, these are, you know, 50-year-old guys on average. At that age, they're used to working with women. They're used to being around other women in the office. They're used to, um, to them, it's not a big deal to have a woman as a boss. So they're coming in. We've got this, we've got this workforce shortage right now. And they've got, they're at the helm and they're looking around saying, well, where's all the ladies? And what are we doing to recruit the ladies? And a lot of it is just, you know, it's the culture of, of the way things were back then. We weren't talking about recruiting women. We weren't bringing them into the, into the conversation or into the fold. And so it's a great time to be a woman in this industry because you do have a lot of allies and a lot of advocates that are saying, okay, we can do better. And, uh, and making significant changes within their organization to make it more um, female friendly. So for, you know, I think that's just the hardest thing is that you're still walking into a business that's, you know, in many instances, 90, 95% men, um, but there's more women, there's more women coming to, to the fold. And as we get more women at the table, the more ladies there are, um, they're gonna be part of the conversation and there's gonna be more changes that are made. It's just getting some ladies in the room and at the table. Absolutely. Well, and I think that that's an interesting point that you make too. So one, we know we're up against labor shortages in the industry right now. We've got some new players coming into leadership positions that are more comfortable with a, not only women, but a diverse workforce It like on the whole. Do you think that, especially with, you know, infrastructure dollars starting to, you know, get to the point where they're going to be flooding into the industry. There are those labor shortages. Do you think that there's a pivotal role that women will play in helping to close the gap between what's needed in the workforce right now and what we currently have and where we're lacking? Um, is there is there a spot where women kind of end up playing a critical role in helping to make sure that these infrastructure projects are completed? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and Sharon McPherson, in her role as an advisor to the Biden administration, you know, she was talking about, you know, how do we make sure that that there's language in this bill to 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 bring more women to the table? Um, I I think it's really interesting that uh, you know over the for all the years when 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 you have a job opening, we talk about the labor shortage, right? Those entry level jobs, those are those seem to be the hardest jobs to fill right now. And historically, I can speak from my experience working in the asphalt industry for the past decade. Um, you know, historically, it was 
18-year-old boys that would graduate college and they would come work on a paving crew. It was somebody's son or their nephew or their brother that would, you know, follow in a dad's footsteps. The reality is those kids are going to college. Those kids are making other yeah. career choices. They're not doing those jobs. And so, you know, the 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 leadership of the companies are looking around saying, well, who's going to fill these jobs? And in the past, you know, the past handful of years, we've seen a shift where they're starting to look at women and they're saying, oh, wait a minute, this women make up 50% of the population. They're just as qualified to do these jobs. And especially as we start talking about advances in technology that make it jobs that used to be very labor intensive are not so mm -hmm. much anymore. So even those, those physically demanding requirements make it easier for women to come in. But there's a, I went to school at Arizona State University. When I was out there, I worked at a resort. The groundskeepers, the, the dishwashers, the cooks, the, you know, those were the people, those were, that was the Hispanic community. Those were the people that came in that were doing those entry level jobs. And they were, they were quality workers giving a full day's work, giving, um, you know, really committed to their jobs. And when you look at this, when you look at these jobs that need to be filled, there's this whole pool of people and especially women from that community that are more than able to do these jobs. But I don't see anyone having a conversation, anyone targeting those women and trying to include them into the into our industry. So with Moxie, one of the things that we did is there's a tab on our on our website where our content is available in Spanish. It's also available okay. in French, but um, but <laughs> we wanted to make sure that you know these women know that even even if you don't speak English fluently, this is you're part of this community. You're a valuable part of this community, and we want you to be part of these conversations. And so I think that um, I think that the 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 really what's been missing, but what I hope to see happen is that these employers start to look at this community and say. How can we how can we reach out to this community because they're ready and willing to do the jobs but it's also why you can't talk about infrastructure without talking about immigration we've got to pass a comprehensive immigration reform package because we want to make sure that these workers are here and they're documented they're legal but they're ready to work they're going to come and they're going to they're going to do the work so i'd like to see i'd like to see employers uh, focus on that but i do think that i do think women and especially that demographic of women is key to the next decade of our infrastructure and our workforce development. Yeah, I think those are all really great points and certainly something that, you know, with the influx of spending coming into the space and, you know, might not happen tomorrow, but there's going to be pressures to get projects done. There's going to be, you know, all of those concerns and, you know, it's not just about getting somebody on board. There's a whole training process like that needs to happen before somebody can really be a great contributing member of the team and making sure that, you know, companies are starting now and diversifying the ways that they're reaching out to both younger um, people, but but also, you know, women and, and minorities is a great way to think about building some inclusivity in, but also creating additional resources for employees, you know, whether they're entry level or or not, um, to be able to be a contributing member of the team and, and feel like whether it's technology or it's another tool that's leveraged to help them kind of fully understand their role and, and how they're contributing to a larger team. There's a lot of work that needs to be done there. It won't happen overnight, but the more people like you that are sharing stories and, and kind of helping think about the ways that this could be accomplished, 
the closer we are to really being able to execute on all of the great things mm -hmm. that are going to be coming up in the next few years. You know, we were talking about this earlier before we started the podcast today, and you were talking about working from home. And yep. as, as awful as COVID has been, it, you know, COVID's been horrible for this world, right? But I do, I do think that the one silver lining that came out of it is that uh, it, it forced employers to do things different. You know, I think we all would agree that if you had gone to your boss in November of 2019 and said, hey, you know, what if I work from home, you know, a few days a week or even full time? I mean, that was never going to happen. It wasn't an option. And then COVID struck and, and we had to rethink the way that we that, that we ran our businesses. And over the past year and a half, I would I would really challenge anyone to, to prove me wrong on this. Companies not only survived COVID, but they thrived during COVID. They thrived mm -hmm. while their workers were at home, the ones that, that could be working from home. And so this all ties into bringing women into the fold. Women are primary caregivers in a family, right? And so, so if you're going to be recruiting women and knowing that they're primary caregivers, you've got to look at them and in a different way. I mean, the good news is that Anything, any changes are certainly applicable to any men that have families mm -hmm. as well. But um, for instance, you know, uh, job sharing, that's something that really has never been done before. Um, in the asphalt industry, you know, you might start at 6 a.m. and you're on a paving crew all day until 7 p.m. Well, if you're a single mom raising a couple of kids, Who's going to get your kids up and off to school in the morning? And who's going to be at home, you know, when your kids come home in the afternoon? I mean, these are logistical challenges. You have people that want to work, but it doesn't, the job doesn't fit with their schedule. So my, you know, I've been on this soapbox for the past year or so that I'm, I'm challenging <laughs> employers to do some job sharing. Let's take yeah. that 13 hour job. Let's divide it up. Let's have a 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. and then have a 1 p.m. until 7 p.m. And that way that mom can be, um, you know, she can be there in the morning to get her kids off to school or vice versa. Um, she can be there when they get off the bus in the afternoon. Um, and, you know, the biggest pushback that I get, it's always the first the first comment is, well, that's going to cost more money. You know, that means I've got to provide a second set of benefits. And I challenge these guys. I say, if you're going to buy, you know, you're going to invest in a, in a piece of equipment, it might be a million dollar piece of paving equipment. And you're going to look at what's on the books for the year. And you know that if you don't have this equipment, you're not going to be able to bid these jobs, right? And if you don't have the workers, you're not going to be able to get the work done. So you need to start looking at your employees. We need to really lean into your employees should be treated the same way that you treat one of these pieces of equipment. You're going to invest a million dollars. You're going to make sure you're doing the proper maintenance on it to get the full lifespan out of it. It might cost a little bit more money. And you have to have been living under a rock, you know, the past six months to realize that it's just costing more to recruit and to retain employees. I mean, that's the way the world is right now. Um, but if you treat your employees well, and there's just some very small changes that you can make and doing things differently, uh, I think the chance to not only recruit, but to retain these employees is significantly higher than your counterparts that aren't doing that, that are continuing to do things the way that they always were, were done. So that's, you know, that's kind of my challenge to the industry right now is that um, think about who you want to come in to work for you and think about the dedication and the commitment that they're willing to give to you. Now, what can you as an employer do that's going to be a little bit different that's going to pair these two together? Um, yep. 
just makes sense. Just makes sense to me. I love it. And I think that's a great note for us to kind of leave the bulk of the conversation off on because it's like, it's putting a challenge out there for the industry. And I like that. Um, we are asking more like rapid fire questions to all of our guests this season. So I'll run through those with you. Um, but we're really glad you were able to join us today. Um, we've kind of already talked about this right now from the perspective of what's the industry facing as the biggest challenge. But for you with starting Moxie, is there one challenge that you're feeling like, okay, this is, this is what I'm up against right now. This is what I need to tackle first in order to get where I really want to go. Yeah. Just finding enough hours in the day to talk to everyone. <laughs> We've been inundated with emails and phone calls and interviews and which is great. It's a, it's a really good problem to have. Uh, but just, you know, the exciting, you know, first couple months of starting a business and there's, there's so much to do, but it's just been an absolute joy. And I cannot tell you it's been overwhelming the amount of support that we've gotten from women and men across all industries, people reaching out saying, why has this never been done before? And I'm like, you know, I don't ever want to be the smartest person I don't know. in the room, but you know what, if that today I am for this, you know, Monica and I are, are pouring our heart and soul into this. And so it's just, it's, it's everything that comes with starting a business, excitement and overwhelming. And no sleep. And, and no sleep. And no sleep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Um, in terms of where you see the industry going in the next five years, do you have like a prediction for one big thing that might kind of be the same or one thing that might change in the next five years? We, we've turned a corner. I think this whole infrastructure bill being passed this weekend, um, although it wasn't what uh, I think the administration had originally wanted it to be, we still passed it. Um, and you know you can't you can't not talk about politics when it comes to this. We've got a progressive caucus back in D.C. that's really pushing hard, and they're not they're not letting up on 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 certain initiatives that they're looking for. And what I see is there's a lot more women having a seat at the table, and these women are having conversations and pushing the envelope in a way that hasn't been done before. Um, there's always going to be some kicking the can in when it comes to uh, policies in DC and things like that and back and forth about where we should and shouldn't be spending money. But we know that our infrastructure can't survive uh, the way that we've been doing things. It just can't. And so we're, I see we're in a clear direction forward. Um, we're not going to let things go back to the way they were. Um, so yeah, I'm really optimistic about it. And again, it just goes back to having more women, having more seats at the table and asking different questions. I love it. Um, where do you currently go for your industry insights? Um, so obviously you turn to your own pages of your own magazine. Is there any other resources that you tap into as well? Uh, you know, we've got like the major publications, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the, you know, all, all the major publications, um, news sources online. Um, I have been really, it's been a great educational experience in the past year, getting to know these women, especially these women, you know, in Canada, I'm talking to, to women in Canada that are running trade organizations and the Women's Infrastructure yeah. Network, which is a global platform of women that are leading companies and, and heading up these initiatives. So I get a lot of information just from, you know, my phone calls and my interactions with ladies that I've met through Moxie. I love that. Um, all right. And finally, if you could pick somebody else to be interviewed on this podcast, who would you like to see interviewed? 
Gosh, you know, I really have a soft spot for Desiree Wood from okay. from Real Women in Trucking. I think that she has such a powerful story that need, we need to continue to shine a light on that. And I'd love to see her have a platform to really continue to get that message out. I think um, she's it's definitely a David and Goliath uh, bit of a scenario. I mean, she's this one woman that's not afraid to speak her truth and um and her story and the story, the real story behind the trucking industry needs to be told. So I'd love to see her share uh, her perspective and her experience and, uh, and what we can do to change things, what we can do to make things better. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And I'm really excited to see what's coming out of Moxie in the next few months and years. Well, thank you. Thank you for giving us a chance to, to share our platform with your listeners. They can find us at themoxyvoice.com. It's M-O-X-Y. Um, and then we're on all the social media platforms as well. Love it. Thank you so much, Natasha. Thanks, Elizabeth. It's important to celebrate all the great stories that exist in the construction industry. In today's episode, we looked specifically at some of the challenges women are facing today and part of what Natasha and Monica do that's so impactful is they tell those stories. They let people's real life experiences speak for themselves. Whether it's celebrating women on your team or the hard work that your team is doing in general, what better way to respect each other's hard work than to tell the story to a wider audience? We all know this is a people-to-people industry, and storytelling is a huge way to make sure that everyone's voice is heard and that everyone has a meaningful seat at the table. If you're interested in reading the stories of Desiree Wood or Sharon McPherson, both of whom were mentioned in today's episode, head over to the Moxie website. It's themoxievoice.com. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed today's episode, Please be sure to subscribe so you're notified of new episodes and be sure to leave us a review. Until next week, this is your host, Elizabeth, signing off.